Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. This is a podcast from The Times, sports newspaper of the year. Can you put your hands together, please, for the host of the game podcast, Gabrielle Marcotti. Welcome to uh, a live edition of The Game, and we're here in front of the studio audience. We're very excited, obviously. Uh, and we're just glad that you guys came and joined us on this rather uh, muggy um, late May evening. I'm Gabriel Marcotti, and I'm talking to you from the Freemason's Arms in Covent Garden in London. Um, you may be wondering, why are we doing this from a random pub in London? Is it just because we need, wanted to get Tony Cascarina and Tony Evans out? No. <laughs> This is uh, uh, quite significant because it was here that in 1863, uh, nearly, what, 150 years ago, the uh, Football Association was founded. That, of course, would be the English Football Association, but of course we don't say that. It's a bit like the Open, so it's just the Football Association. So thanks for meeting in this club, in this pub, rather. Uh, association football and rugby football went their separate ways, allowing us to experience the offside, the FA Cup, Mark Palios, Super Wembley Stadium, international football, and the formation of other FAs around the world, like the Italian FA, which of course was put together just 35 years later. But of course, we did go on to win four World Cups, so there. <laughs> With Euro 2012 uh, ahead of us, we're going to be looking at England's prospects, uh, as well as the state of the game in general. And um, also, our own alternative to penalty shootouts. Our, our producer, uh, Chris Skinner, um, you know, just threw it out to a bunch of you. Hopefully, we'll get some, uh, um, some useful ones. Uh, not that Seth Blatter will listen to us, but hey. Uh, but anyway, I'm not a priest. I'm not here to lecture you or educate you, um, although I do have some of my finest cohorts uh, from the Times. And uh, first of all, my boss, the Times football editor, and, uh, of course, well-known resident Manchester United fan, it's Tony <laughs> Evans. Hi, everyone. How are you tonight? As you can tell, he is a mank through and through. <laughs> we also join with us by the Times chief football correspondent and occasional Darth Vader impersonator, it's Mr. Ollie Kay. And <laughs> Ollie, that says Cass. This says Ollie. Okay, it's very small. Uh, can I just say what a treat it is to have Ollie here in, in person. Uh, normally, he's just a faraway voice yeah. up, in, uh, up in Ripenden. We also have a man who uh, writes, I think, fascinating and insightful pieces uh, for the Times and also a guy who earned, what, 80 caps for the Republic of Ireland? It's Tony Cascarino. Thank you. So what was that? Illegally. <laughs> How many of those did you actually play 90 minutes? Two. <laughs> no, I played 88 times, Gab. Um, 88 times? I think so Skinner I is wrong. Skinner's putting you down. No, 88. I think um, I held the record for the most substitute appearances to come on 
Yeah, I think I do. Someone told me that one day. Game Sorry? Game changer. Oh. There you go. All right, so let's uh, start by getting a state of play from the audience. This is a clever device that Skinner uh, dreamed up. Um, I'm going to make some statements. If you agree, say yes or make some noise somehow. Uh, if you don't agree, please <coughs> stay silent. England will win Euro 2012. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not a single person here believes England will win Euro 2012. I, I don't think you can write them over completely. You know, Greece won it. And, you know, I mean, no, no, in all seriousness, I think everyone will probably know I'm not a Roy Hodgson fan, but this squad is a very Hodgson squad, you know, and it will allow him to do the things he does really well. And what he's really good at is neutralising the opposition's uh, qualities. He's not so good with flair himself. I can see them with two banks of four. I can see them going a long way. They'll get to the quarterfinals. You get a better luck. You never know. You never know. Well, next one might be in the uh, you never know category as well. The Republic of Ireland to win the Euros. <laughs> oh, there you go, slightly more chance than England, right? Haters. Spain to win the Euros? Yeah. yeah. How about this one? Germany to win yeah. the Euros. Yeah. Yes. All right. Uh, England to make it through the group stage. Yes. England to go out on penalties. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Wayne Rooney to get sent off on his first appearance. <laughs> this is mean. Skinner wrote this. Um, how about this one? Uh, Manchester City deserve to be crowned Premier League champions. Yep. Yes. yes. And finally, Chelsea deserve to win the Champions League title. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. All right, but let's move on with our topics. Now, these were all selected by you, so if they suck, complain to each other. Um, we will try to bring you in uh, wherever we can. So if, uh, if you have something to say, you know, raise your hand, get some attention. I'll try to call for you. One thing I do ask is uh, we've got um, Olivia and uh, Skinner out there with microphones. And uh, just obviously wait for the guy to come to you. Because while I can probably hear you, remember, we're also recording this for our uh, millions of listeners worldwide. Now. Uh, first off, we're talking England, we're talking Euro 2012, um, and this was uh, inspired by questions from uh, Jermaine George. Jermaine, you here? There you go. And uh, Graham Carter. Acknowledge Graham? Graham in the back. Um, we sort of merged these into one, but uh, here's a good one for Ollie to start with. This is Jermaine's question. I would like the panel to discuss the real reasoning behind the exclusion of Rio Ferdinand, uh, the exclusion of Aaron Lennon, and Micah Richards, as well as Daniel Sturridge. Well, what do you think is the real reason? Uh, he's deflecting. He's trying to take a politician. No, no, because the, because the phrase, oh, the real reasoning, implies that maybe it's not as described. My opinion is, where do I start, really? Uh, I'll start with Aaron Lennon. Um, I believe one of the main reasons that Tottenham lost the Champions League uh, qualification for next season other than Chelsea was Aaron Lennon was injured mm. so I don't believe Stuart Downing should be there but uh, <laughs> yeah. so uh, secondly Micah Richards fantastic fullback strong in the air good going forward overlapping uh, defender can provide options pace he should be there or at least have been on the mm. five um, Rio Ferdinand, well, I mean, I'm a Man United fan, so perhaps there might be some bias there, but I just believe that experience, you know, now he's taken Jagielka there. Mm. Uh, United didn't have that bad a season. They finished level on points with the champions, so surely he's done something right. And what do you think? Um, my. Oh, do I take the microphone? No? No, your mic's up. That's the nice thing that he put on you. It's got the mic. He can't read and he doesn't know where my mic is. Yeah, I made him football correspondent at the time. So that makes me the dumbest person on this panel. Um, when Tony was talking about um, it being a Roy Hodgson style squad and being, you know, maybe not full of flair, I think if you, I think there's a certain Roy Hodgson type of player, and there are similarly players who aren't a Roy Hodgson type. When you look at a player like Richards and a player like Lennon who are all about pace and sort of unbridled, unbridled athleticism. 
I don't think they are the type of players who Hodgson would want to build his, his, his squad around. I'm surprised that he hasn't got Richards in the squad at all, particularly with Carl Walker out. But when I was, the, the day after Hodgson was appointed, I was asked to sort of cobble together what I, what I thought would be Hodgson's squad. And it didn't have either of those two in it because I, I just didn't see them as Hodgson type players because he likes the, the sort of very diligent, obedient James Milner type or the Stuart Downing type, Phil Jones type, etc. Um, Rio Ferdinand, I, I, I agree with you. Um, he, I think he's had a very good season. Uh, s some bad games where he's had Jones alongside him or, or whatever, but I, I, I would have had him in my squad. But there's the undoubted issue there with, with, with him and John Terry. And Hodgson talks about football reasons for leaving him out. I think the football reasons are that he can't have the two of them in the same squad because they can't stand the sight of each other. So, so they're well, not really football reasons? Well, it, it becomes related to football because it, it becomes a football consideration if you can't have two guys like that. What I don't get is, has John Terry ever said he couldn't play with Rio Ferdinand? And has Rio ever come out and said that about JT? Well, apparently they were both asked and both indicated that they would be willing to, but... Um, what people say in public and what they say in private is very different. I'll tell you what, there's an alternative view of this, that it makes dressing room politics a lot easier. Mm. So isn't it, you know, and the fact is, including John Terry, was going to cause a rift in that squad and the rift would have been deeper had he included the players that he's left out. Like you, I'm a cynic about this. I think it's more to do with dressing room politics than actually picking the best squad, although Ollie has a point that Roy Hodgson doesn't like players who get up the pitch and down the pitch and don't stay where he tells them. But I, I, I do think there is a, a rather cynical level to this where, frankly, he didn't want too many black players in the squad with John Terry. Uh, well, Cass, on, on, on that point, in terms of guys working together, um, I remember Manchester United winning a treble with uh, Andy Cole and Teddy Sheringham, <laughs> both on the same team. I'm asking this because, for those who don't know, uh, Tony and uh, uh, Teddy Sheringham are extremely tight and have been the Marys. for a long, long time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, He's lived off my name for so long. <laughs> <laughs> Viewed from the outside, it looked to me like it wasn't a problem for those two guys no. on the pitch. I, but did it take an uber god of a manager like Sir Alex Ferguson to make it work? And was it too big of an ask for Roy Hodgson? <laughs> um, it's really difficult, Gab, because that there was a player in that dressing room at Manchester United who dominated, and everybody knows him as Roy Keane. Okay, I remember chatting to him on the beach in, in Ireland. We had an international game. And I was walking along talking to Ryan about, you know, his fallouts at the club. And he said, I go in a Monday morning. Do his accent, do his accent. <laughs> I can't, I can't. <laughs> he said, I go in on a Monday morning, he said, and I can't remember how many are not talking to me. <laughs> he said, I've fallen out with so many. It was Schmeichel, it was Pallister, it was Sheringham. Uh, there was about five or six. And it happens. And it, 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 you know, clicks in dressing room, that is part and parcel of the game. You work in your offices, environments, that's part of life. Um, Tony touched on, I'm, we had a chat, didn't we, Tony, yeah, beforehand? I said to Tony, if I, mean, you I, I said to Tony, is it a coincidence that there's four black players being left out? Is it me? I don't know. Is it me? I said, because Rio is friends with all of, you know, Mika Richards is a Man City, Manchester lad. Daniel Sturridge was playing at Manchester City. Now, I'm being ultra cynical like, like Tony, but I do think there was a harmony thing. I think Roy Hodgson, of course he's not being racist for leaving <laughs> them out, but I think there was a harmony thing. And, and I really believe that, you know, you do get clicks, you do get groups of lads. Doesn't mean you're wanting not to welcome people in, but it does happen. And I think he felt, if I'm not picking Rio, I don't know if I'm going to pick these other ones. Now, you can say Theo's in there and who else? Jermaine Defoe. There's... Ashley Young. Yeah, Ashley Young. But yeah, I just so, felt yes, there was something strange about it. I don't, the implication of what you're wrong. saying is that, and I find this extraordinary, that, that, that Roy Hodgson or, you know, maybe Alex Horn or God knows who actually sat there and said, No, he didn't, okay, Gab. Is Ashley Young going to no. be more upset than Mika no. Richards about I mean, No, Gab, I, I felt it was a bit deeper than that. I did feel it's a bit deeper. I think he's looking for total harmony. Mm. That's more the, more the point. Now, the, that would the, be a reason to not call up Daniel Sturridge, regardless of what colour or heritage he was. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, it, look, I, I it just felt I, I don't think there's a conscious decision there. Sorry? I don't think there's a conscious decision no. there. But I think it's, you know, what would be the most harmonious dressing room I can take through this tournament? 
you know, it's, um, so I don't know, well, I mean, what's the view, uh, the audience? The audience, yeah. I mean, do, 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 I mean, do you just say, um, you know, if you, if you believe in Ollie's version of it, and um, uh, which, which is, you know, quite reasonable, and Hodgson being sensible, say aye. Um, aye. If you're a cynic like me and Tony, <laughs> no. <laughs> If we talk about why isn't Lennon in the squad, why isn't Sturridge in the squad, why isn't Richards in the squad? The well, last Rio's th head and shoulders are should have been I, in the squad. I, I know, you know. Rio, Rio is, but Rio wasn't even getting picked by Capello. And that, that goes back to the sort of political issue with, with John mm. Terry as well. But if, you, but if we talk about uh, Lennon, um, Richards, Sturridge, the three of them weren't playing an awful lot in the final months of the season when Hodgson's mind probably started to turn to England. Nor was Andy Carroll. Well, the, the final no, month, the last six, six weeks of the season, really. I know, but but, but the, it's only the final weeks of the season that Hodgson's mind turned to England, so he probably starts. So, so he wasn't going to pick Daniel Sturridge on the basis of what he did in December in the old Champions we're, League we're, group game. Well, I want to ask you on this point: something sort of somebody like Sturridge would actually the fact that people have seen what he can do. He can obviously score goals. I, I think some managers, some people feel that he's difficult to place in a side, and he's got. A really bad attitude, but that said, he's somebody who I would expect to be 100% fresh at this stage of the season. Unlike you know Rooney or some of the the city players who will be perhaps worn down or or or, or a Lampard. Does that come into Hanson's mind at all? Would it have considered that hey, if I play Sturridge, I've got a guy who's basically going to be totally fresh because he hasn't played very much, and and also could you also address somebody like Jagielka who hasn't played much because he was injured? Um, why is he going? Why is, well, I think Jagielka's going because there are so many defenders or so many people unavailable. But it was interesting that Jagielka was the one who got summoned from the standby list rather than Jordan Henderson once Gareth Barry uh, dropped out. And that, to me, suggested a lack of faith in Phil Jones as a central defender, which is a different, yeah. different issue completely. Well, you have a question there in the, in the back of the room. Yeah. Hi. Um, there are a number of grumbles following Roy Hodgson's announcement of his 22 for the championships. Who would you have taken instead with a view to the World Cup in 2014? All right, that was Graham Carter, of course, was one of the people who uh, submitted our questions. Um, Cass, I want to start with you, because I know it's going to take Tony and Ollie uh, a few minutes to straighten out their thoughts. But if you could replace two people from Hodgson's squad with two people of your own choosing, and pretend you're an England fan for a minute, um, who would they be? Peter Cratch, undoubtedly. Instead I, of? Um, it's, well, obviously, I would. T I, I think England lack a depth of um, strikers. I mean, they've chosen three and a half. Rooney is not available for the first two games. So I, I felt that certainly a striker should have been introduced. So you drop one of the wingers for another striker, take five Well, strikers. I probably would have dropped, dropped Stuart Downing. I would have taken right. Stuart Downing out, even though I think he's a player that's suffers. I always watch Stuart, every time I think, watch him, if his first touch is good, and I was saying to a couple of lads at the bar that if his first touch is good, I think he's going to have a good game. If it's not, I think he's going to have a poor game. And that's Just the one guy, otherwise Hodgson's entirely on message with you? Um, anybody else really, I mean... Not Rio? Nah, well Rio, we touched on Rio, yeah. So you would I mean, take I, Rio? Well, absolutely, yeah, Rio. I mean, there, you know, if you come second, Rio struggled shots. probably between October to December. He looked like he was just not quite right. On yeah. the end of the season, played a lot better. Anybody out there, big Peter Crouch by acclamation? Anybody say aye? Aye. aye. Oh, there you go. Some support for the big man. Uh, Tony, again, for you, it might be a bit more difficult to pretend you're an England fan, but Stuart Downing, I'd replace him with a training cone. <laughs> <laughs> That. <laughs> um, I would have, um, I would have looked at uh, including Michael Carrick. I think based on the fact that England have a lot of midfielders who aren't very good at setting a tempo and keeping keeping possession. I, I would have wondered about the possibility of uh, including Michael Carrick. But then there's the fact that he's, um, which has only emerged since the squad was named, that Carrick basically withdrew himself from international duty. Um, last year sometime. Is that actually it, true? Yeah, or is that just another lie that no, that's Alex Horn put true. out? What's your, what's your problem? I mean, better, better, better pick on him <laughs> Alex Horn wouldn't lie, would he? No, no, no. No, no, no. no one from the FA would lie. No, but the, um, the because I, that doesn't match what I've heard from mm. 
You can guess. Yeah, I can. But the um, has Carrick actually said that? I ruled myself out of England duty well, a year he, ago. Well, he hasn't done, but but he, he hasn't stuck his hand up to, to say that. Just he hasn't stuck his hand up to play in the past. So my although I would have Carrick in the squad if if I was picking it with a, with a clean slate and so on, I you know there are a lot of Man United fans who are very upset on Carrick's behalf, and I don't think it's worth anybody getting upset on Carrick's behalf because he clearly doesn't want to be there if he's not going to be first choice for England, and he's not done enough in the past to be first choice. <coughs> but I would have wished. That he could at least be willing to be in the squad. Don't you think he'd just be another England midfielder who doesn't set, set the tempo and doesn't keep possession? Well, I think he does. I think he does those things. I think he, set, he sets the tempo, keeps the tempo, and, and keeps possession. I, I don't think he necessarily does he do it well dominates to play games. international football. I don't think he does it well I, enough to. I, I think in the games where England have been overrun in midfield and mm. where they've frittered away possession an awful lot in the past, I think those are games where you could do with the Michael Carrick type. Mm. Um, so on that issue, after Parker gets injured or sent off, who... For, for two flying handballs. Exactly. Um, does Jagielka play in central midfield at that point? What was the logic here with not... I know Henderson is Jordan Henderson, mm. but this is a body who plays in central midfield. Well, what, well, I, what's the thinking there? What's he going to do? I think, start, out? I think they're going to start with Parker and Gerrard in central midfield. Mm. With Lampard, the next one to come in. And so then, we could see another lampard Gerrard central midfield after <laughs> Parker gets sent off. Could. Might, might work this you know, really? You're, you're, not, you're not serious. You're not joking. You're serious. See, Lampard and Jared in central midfield. See, see, if Hodgson had any sort of creative thought, not, you know, was thinking outside his box, he'd shift Jared out to the right yeah. and he'd play Parker. And then he could even play Lampard on the inside left channel going down. And, you know, Lampard, after all, scores and he still scores goals. But he won't. He'll play, he'll play uh, the captain in the centre of midfield, where he's, frankly, ineffective most of the time. Come on, Tony. Jared on the right. What club team ever won anything with Jared playing on the right-hand side of midfield? <laughs> it was a bit of a layup there, but um, OK. Um, one, thing that, uh, one final thing that, that struck me, and maybe we can get uh, an acclamation, um, is Hodgson obviously comes in. He doesn't have time to prepare. He doesn't have time to scout people. Doesn't have time to build relationships with the players. Yeah, I don't think he's ever managed any of these players except for uh, um, for Gerard um, and Glenn Johnson. And Glenn Johnson that works really well. <laughs> um, should he be thinking in terms of 2014, or should he actually be thinking in terms of I might not be in the job much longer after we lose all three games? And so, no. But I mean, it's a serious question. Should he have thought more about bringing more kids into the team rather than this Lampard and all these veterans? I think he's in a fantastic position that expectation is very, very low. Um, where they're, you know, you're going into a tournament, if it fails and it falls flat on its face, no one's going to really point the finger at Roy Hodgson. He might take some blame, but I think the, the blame is firmly going to be on the FA, isn't it? You know, they're going to take most of it for the, the time that he came into the job, the lack of preparation, which has been, I mean, you just wouldn't get it in normal business for so late in the day. So he's got a bit of a free run gap. But with that, there's got to be performances that are going to make everybody be lifted. Because what happens... I, I was lucky enough to be in France when the, the build-up of the French team happened. And they were given Gerard Houllier when they, he took the kids and everybody... Was, there was a bit of a train ride with the, the players and the exciting young players that came along, and obviously the big stars now. But everyone... Got, it all gathered momentum, which England hasn't really happened. Well, but I'm not sure the English public trust the England team. There's a real lack of trust around the whole system and the team. But Ollie, wouldn't that have been an argument then? I mean, do we really need to see Jermaine Defoe play for England again? I see the logic with Defoe if you think you're going to win it, but maybe if you have an eye towards the future, maybe you call another young striker. Or do you feel with Oxley, Chamberlain, and whatever else, you've already sort of fulfilled your quota of young players getting. Um, experience for the future. I mean, do you think the balance is there? I guess is what I'm driving at. Well, I, th I think a lot of people have this perception that the squad hadn't moved on under Cabello since the World Cup. And what people kind of overlook is that the squad and, and the team had changed a lot because Hart had come and go. You know, you got people like Kyle Walker and Jack Wilshere had come in, and, and Welbeck and others, at Phil Jones, etc. Tom Cleverley was in the squad at one stage, and basically that kind of refreshing of the squad had happened. And then when the, a lot of those players, Walker, Wilshire, etc., were injured at the end of the season, it, you know, you had a lot more of the same old faces in the squad. So that um, that created a lot of, you know, a lot of people going, oh, it's, it's just the same old faces. I mean, it, there aren't many young players out there 
who, have, who are not in the squad who have made a compelling case to be in the squad. Because the, the, if, if anyone had really made a compelling case, they, they would have been there. I, every day that goes by, I find myself more and more confused by football and the logic that's out there. I mean, oh, let's build for the future in international football. There's one tournament every two years and that's all that matters. Here and now is everything. What you build for to win a friendly in 18 months. You pick the best players now that you've got and you play them in the tournament. And when the World Cup comes round, you play them there, the best players you've got. You don't take the kids if they're not up to it. Yeah. You know, you, you play the best people. And the thing is, but the maddest thing of all is to give Hodgson a four-year contract. It is age. I would give international managers one cycle. I'd give Hodgson a chance, or he's coming at a strange time, to go to the World Cup next time and then reassess it instead of giving Actually, these contracts off. I, just to wrap this up, I'm going to throw a final question at Ollie. I'm sorry, Ollie, but today you are the representative of the Football Association here. Because uh, couldn't but, get Alex Horn. What? Sorry? couldn't get Alex Horn. Yeah, I thought, sorry, I thought you mentioned somebody else's name. As I understand it, Roy Hodgson is going to be far and away the highest paid manager at the, at the Euros. And he has a four-year deal. This is the part I never get. You're Roy Hodgson, you're in your mid-60s, you've made a lot of money over the years. Um, if your country comes to you and says, hey Roy, come manage England, we'll pay you half a million pounds, plus another two million if you win the Euros, right? Is he going to turn it down? Is he going to turn it down and say, no, because if I'm only making half a million pounds, what, it's, it's an insult? Or no, that's not enough for me to manage my country at, at a major European championship? Is the, do those thoughts go through the FA's mind? Or do they feel that, well, let's see, we paid Capello, what, five million, and Roy Hodgson's about 60% is good, so maybe we need to pay. I mean, is that the logic? Well, because of that, they, they think they've got him on the cheap. They think they've got a manager on the cheap. Do they really believe this? Yeah, because, because it's so much And then cheaper. you're telling me I shouldn't have a go at Alex Horn. You should. No, no, no. You know, let's face it. You know, all those Scandinavian trophies—they've pushed up the price. <laughs> we don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't want to turn this into a mockery of Hodgson because that's where he was managing, and, and he, won, he won the leagues there. But I am curious by this financial thing when we somehow well, once think that if we just pay him more, he's going to be better. Once, once, once I realised that, like you know, we were bringing those sort of leagues into account, I've got me medals out from the five side of Van Sangster in Stanley Park. <laughs> all right, there's another Merseyside reference. Um, that, that teases up nicely. We mentioned the money spent um, to pay Roy Hodgson's wages, and uh, that teases up nicely uh, for our next question, which is to do with financial uh, fair play. And uh, again, uh, Chris Skinner, our producer, uh, collated a bunch of questions from you. And we've got a question from uh, uh, Wayne Eastman. Do the panel think it will have the, the financial fair play will have the desired impact and make the European leagues more competitive, or is it destined to fail? And should it succeed, which teams in the Premier League are in the best position to benefit from the rule, uh, from the rules, and which teams may find it hard to adapt? Now, on the first part, I have written extensively about this. I'm not sure the purpose of financial fair play is to make the European leagues or European competition more competitive. I think it's simply designed to make sure that most football clubs are profitable. Um, or at least break even. Anybody want to disagree with that? I think it's also designed to ring fence yeah. the big clubs and, uh, and to keep them uh, at, at the highest level in the Champions League to make sure the television revenues keep coming in. And I think within 10 years of the implement implementation of financial fair play, next season we'll see European Super League. Well, wow, that, that, that would be a kind of a scare. Within 10 years? Within 10 years, yeah. I'm not sure it quite, quite goes that far, but um, Ollie, the ultimate argument is that this is a way to make sure that the rich stay rich, and you know, clubs like United um, who, or, or Bayern Munich or Real Madrid who have got such a link, they'll just forever be able to outspend the little guys. Mm. So why is it called fair play? Yeah, well, exactly. Well, the, the, the interesting thing with that is that it, it basically it was the conversation started around 2008, and it was all about... Um, the sort of dominance of the Champions League by clubs like Manchester United and Chelsea, who reached the final that year, both of which were heavily in debt, as were Liverpool, who were, I think, Liverpool, Liverpool in the semi-final that year, uh, all heavily in debt, and and it was basically um, Michel Platini started saying, you know, debt is the big problem. We need to we need to control debt. We need, debt debt is the great evil, and then basically they got they started this process, started this consultation, got the clubs involved, 
and the club, the club started saying, well, no, debt's not the problem. The problem is, the problem is people spending beyond their means. So basically, you've got an elite of clubs, which is essentially Bayern Munich, AC Milan, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Manchester United, uh, all calling the shots, and it becomes something that, rather than controlling debt, basically stops clubs coming from outside that elite and, and gate-crashing the elite. And it's basically ended up being something that is designed to keep Manchester City, Paris Saint-Germain, etc., at bay. It, it, it protects, and totally, it protects that elite. What happened to your old club, Chelsea, as well, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they've they just, lose how much they spent every year. How much how they, they spent just recently? I mean, they've just Hazard and the the lad from Dortmund. Um, mm. uh, so they've just you know they're Brandon, Marco Marin. Yeah, they're, they're just spending money. I mean, I, I just think they'll find loopholes even if they do get controlled because they've managed to do it in years gone by. So, I mean, what but, happened in France this year was an extraordinary gap, wasn't it? Mm. Where they're Montpellier winning the French League. I mean, their budget is just, well, it probably be one tenth of what an average Premiership team would be. So um, I don't see how people can still break down the law. Big clubs have been dominating from day one well, and will continue. There's too much money. They, they all want, they all go bigger stadiums, don't they? They, all, they, all, they have benefactors of, you know, people like Abramovich who are pumping money in, they have these extraordinary merchandise deals, they, you know, but, there's sorry, so but, much money pumped into But that's people. the thing, um, and I think this was kind of the, the second part of, of the question that we had today is, certain clubs in the Premier League look like they're miles away from ever fulfilling uh, the criteria. Um, thinking of Manchester City, obviously, and, and Chelsea are, are, the two, are the two obvious ones. Um, United are in a magnificent position. You know, They're laughing. No, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know. How clever is Malcolm Glazer? Well, he gets yeah. to take 70 million pounds of the club. He makes a profit every year. Yeah, and, you know, it's a, and they've managed to pay off some of the debt. And they've not spent a lot of money. They, they've increased their incomes massively. And they're going to be in a brilliant situation when they, when they take the reins off in terms of spending. They're, they're going to be as good as anyone in Europe. You know, well, it's. Um, let, let me throw this out here before we get to, uh, to Nick Strong with the other question. Um, again, by. Acclamation, um, you can make noise uh, somehow if you agree with the statement. Is financial fair play, as the laws are written, good for uh, football? Yes. Is financial fair play bad for football? Yeah, very bad for football. All right, so it seems a majority on, on the bad. Now, um, we have uh, uh, our other question here is uh, from Nick Strong. Nick, are you, uh, are you with us? Nick, right there in the back behind you, uh, with you. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, basically, do you think the loopholes, which was touched on there, for like sponsorship deals, are just going to see all the way through the sort of designs of financial fair play? Because as a Stoke fan, we've now changed to Bet365 on the shirts, which is Peter Coates' company. And even for myself, that seems a bit like coincidence that it's suddenly happening now when these, these rules are imminent. Well, it's happened with Newcastle, hasn't it? You know. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Etihad. Well, no, because he's not putting any money yeah. in it. No, but they're still using, the, the company is still giving the money. No, but what I'm saying is Peter Coates is putting money in via Bet365. Yes. Mm. Um, well, Ashley's not. Actually, it's free advertising. Exactly. Mm. Yeah, but didn't, he is, hasn't he charged the club? I thought he charged the club as well for using Bet Direct. He's paying basically the same person. Yeah. Who? Do you understand what, what I'm saying? But when it comes to betting and stuff, you're the expert here, not me. <laughs> <laughs> I think in a roundabout way, bet directors are, I think are to, paying to, into to, the, you know, the Newcastle pot. 
Um, to answer, to, to <coughs> Bet Direct is another Ashley company. Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't understand. I'm getting myself into a lot of trouble right now. What, what, what am I about to say? Why do people bet with these things when you can go on betting exchanges? Exchanges, because that's how they run. Get there. It's okay, too easy to kind of book, uh, bookies on the street, and you know. Right. That's right. Me and you can have a long conversation. About exactly. Um, probably not podcastable. Um, but to answer your question about the sponsorship thing and the loopholes, um, I'll give my view on this just because I've talked to a lot of people about this, but I'm sure we all have here. UEFA insists that they're not stupid. They, you know, Sheikh Mansour can't get his cat to sponsor Manchester City to the tune of 100 million euros a year. If, or rather, if he wants to do that, that won't count towards financial fair play. It's all written in the rules. And I don't think they <laughs> haven't done a very good job at getting the message out to people, but that they're not thick. They have benchmarks. So I believe still the biggest sponsorship deal in the world is Barcelona, uh, 30 million a year with the Qatari Foundation. Given that Barcelona are bigger than just about any other club in the world, if Manchester City come along and say, look, we've got a 50 million euro sponsorship, then UEFA will say, uh, no, you don't. You have a, we're going to benchmark it at 20 million or, or 18 million or, or whatever it is. So they're actually very vigilant. And the way the rules are written, and you can actually download the entire PDF document and read this if you're sad like I am, um, or like Ollie, because I'm sure Ollie's actually read it as well. Um, no? <laughs> well, well, you did read the entire Suarez judgment the day it came out, right? Yeah, but, but I had to, but I'm not as sad as you. You know, you can be sad if you download it, and you're even sadder if you believe it. Because <laughs> what Latin is the Barcelona benchmarks will take everything up higher, and all the big clubs they'll yeah. go towards that, they'll gravitate towards that, and you know, and all of a sudden it will seem reasonable that Manchester City, because they've won the they've won the title, they're competing in the Champions League, that will seem reasonable in the minds of UEFA that they get a hundred million. You know, shared sponsorship and stadium sponsorship, and, and but it's not going to be a hundred million. If Barcelona are getting thirty million, they're not going to allow City to get more than Barcelona. Well, Barcelona are going to get more and more, aren't they? And, and wherever they push up at the ceiling, everyone else is challenged. Well, it can be challenged. Well, that, that's yeah, the whole other issue: yeah, yeah. the, the, the legal, the legal aspect yeah. of it. Would, uh, we'll get to that in a minute. But, 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 but really so Tony's got no faith in the enforcement. Do you, Ollie? Well, no, because realistically, who are you waiting to say? You know that. Such a deal isn't worth any, anything to Etihad and Manchester City. If Etihad are using Manchester and, and their whole Manchester City thing as a vehicle for Abu Dhabi and for Etihad Airways, etc., who, who are well, you here's my to thing say, with that. I, I, I've been to uh, City Manchester not mm -hmm. as many times as you. You look at their sponsors, and it's pretty hokey stuff, right? Well, it was two years ago. It was about six, eight million. No, 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 but it's hokey in the sense that they're brands that, mm. I'm sorry, I don't live in Abu Dhabi. Mm. Um, I don't, certainly sure as hell don't holiday there. Um, why would I ever want to go on Etihad Airlines? Like, why do they need to advertise to me? Or the other one, that A-Bar thing, or the Abu Dhabi Tourism Authority? Come on. So you wait for going to sit there and make value judgments on? Well, well if you read now, Annex so. 11 of the financial fair play rules, that is exactly what they're going to do. They're going to say, I've, I've this is out it. of line with anything else. It's what? a pile of boils. You know what? You'll drive a truck through it. The big clubs will drive well, a truck how? through it. If you, it's UEFA's competition. It's UEFA's rules. I mean, what, why does nobody have any faith whatsoever? There's a European because we, law. You can, do you not think that can be challenged? Uh, because realistically, well, we'll they're not to the realistically, they're not going to want a competition Great. that is without the English champions if, if Manchester City remain the English <laughs> champions. They, they, they are not going to want a competition. You don't think they'd rather have Spurs in there than City? <laughs> Spurs wouldn't get through qualifiers. <laughs> Obviously not. Uh, we have a question there in the back. He's going to crack. Can, can Man City pay Carlos Tevez, the player, two million a year and then Carlos Tevez, the endorser of Etihad Airways, 12 million a year. Um, again, theoretically, but again, UEFA say that they have looked at every mm. single possibility and they will rumble you if you go and try to do this. And well, they've been so good in the past, haven't they? Because you know, <laughs> Wait, they haven't, you can't trust them, you know. It's they haven't had financial fair play rules in, 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 in the past, have they? But I, I think what, what, what we've seen, we've seen an organization that's shambolic to the point of being corrupt. You're mixing and UEFA and FIFA there, aren't you? I know. A lot of them. Football's ruling bodies, you know, are just, are just a mess. And if anyone expects credibility, decency, 
from UEFA's financial I will, fair play, I, will, I, will, I think I, I will tell you why I think, Antonio, I want to hear your view on this. I'll tell you why I think they will actually enforce the rules. And by the way, if you take the time to read it, if you read it, look at Annex 11, um, one of the key points that they make is that they lay out all the rules and they say, oh, but ultimately, we reserve the right to change our opinion on this. And, and it's our judgment, it's our interpretation. And they make one important um, difference is that you can lose 100 million this year. If you can prove to UEFA that you think you will make 100 million next year, um, they, will, they will allow it to go through. And, and ultimately, when you talk to these people, they say, we just want clubs moving in the right direction. Now, bear one thing in mind, though, Tony and others. Um, there's a lot of very big football clubs who have lobbied very hard for financial fair play. If I'm Bayern Munich, if I'm Manchester United, if I'm making sacrifices to fulfill these regulations, and Manchester City drives a truck through them, I'm going to say, you know what? Screw you, Manchester City. When you go play with yourself up by the city of Manchester Stadium, I'm leaving UEFA if they're not going to enforce their own rules. And I'm Bayern, and I'm United, and I'm Arsenal, and I'm all these virtuous big clubs. I don't need Manchester City and Chelsea and the rest of the Johnny-come-latelys. Did you really say the phrase, virtuous big clubs? Well, virtuous in the sense that they make that they're big, profitable clubs. No, just, just don't ever use that word. <laughs> uh, but, but that's, that's the whole thing. It's basically, it's basically you know, the, the bigger clubs, the, the established elite effectively running up the draw, pulling up the drawbridge and, and trying to keep the... But I'm saying, but we can't have the argument both ways. But, but, but we can't... But we can't but we can't have it both ways. We can't blame the established elite from keeping the nouveau riche clubs out, while at the same time criticizing, saying like they're not going to enforce the rules properly, right? No, but I, it's going to be one or the other, right? Well, it is because that because that is the the, the way the rules have been set up is wrong because it, it basically prevents competition. It prevents sort of clubs living the dream, as, as Peter Ridsdale would say. Well, it won't be one or the other. It'll be a fudge. See, yeah. hopefully, the, the last Ridsdale uh, reference of the evening, Tony. Yeah. There's the inside of the club and the outside of the club, okay? Few of the clubs I played for paid you in certain ways. Cash. Not, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 cash. <laughs> but they paid you in ways that they found loopholes to pay you different from the normal bog standard contract. That still happens today. And you know that. You do know that, didn't you? Yes, you do. You know, so. They find every avenue. They employ top lawyers. They employ top accountants to, to try and do. And you know, normally what you find is the guys that are, they're paid more than the guys who work for UEFA or FIFA. Mm. They're paid more because they employ the better ones, the clubs. So you normally find they, they're ahead of them, Gab. So, you know, you're saying that these guys are very intelligent and know what they're doing and, you know, they're, 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 they understand the way clubs are trying to, to find these loopholes. But I just think the clubs are always ahead of them. On the inside, it's like that. I mean, but ultimately, it's going to be, uh, I think, an issue more for the f more for the revenue and stuff like that. If you're no, they're not. Gab, Gab, don't. No, I, I got paid different ways from my contract, but paid my tax. And there are other clubs that have paid different ways, like obviously Rangers. They got in trouble, but there's many clubs who've done what Rangers did. There's not Rangers are not the only one who did the way they, you know, paid players. And we have to interrupt in, you here before Celtic fans get very was, angry. What, 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 was the, what was the most bizarre way you got paid? I had Villa paid you in pigs. No, well, there's ways of getting paid, but mm. you're still, it's still, mm. still yeah. legit, but it's a loophole. Yeah. And there are as many consultant payments, as the mm. lad touched on there, that happened to certain players and are still happening today. Mm. We, we, we need to move on from this topic in a minute, but we have a, a question over here. Uh, Olivia, the gentleman in the... Uh, <coughs> Hi, yeah, I just wanted to make a quick uh, question to the panel. The financial fair play um, uh, rule that we've been speaking about, do they not have that in any leagues globally? I'm, I'm sure I read French, that Germany yeah, or... Strong. Yeah, French what? league is very, very controlled. Is the German league the same as well? I'm not sure. Not German league is a license, as, as a different mm. set of rules. Mm. They have a licensing system. Um, it was kind of funny, actually. The Premier League basically doesn't have a licensing system at all, um, which is why you get these absurd situations. You get another club that nobody ever talks about to the point that I'm wondering if there's a conspiracy where, like, you know, Phil Gardside has information on everybody. Um, Bolton, they've got a debt that's, I believe, more than the turnover, and it's all owed to one guy who's supposedly a Bolton fan. And I never read anything about this, which I find absolutely hilarious. I can only conclude that it's because nobody really gives a hoot about Bolton. 
Um, but you know, it, it's funny because I, I kind of feel like if this was United in that same situation, is, then is, they'd all be mobilized. But isn't United that big of a turnover? It is. Well, it is, but and, United are profitable. And, Bolton lose money every year. I know, but but whereas this guy Eddie Davis is a guy who has basically given the club a loan, interest-free loan, whatever, or or is investing, putting his money into Bolton. Is he? Yeah, well, that's what he's done so far. That's what he say he's done so he far. He hasn't yet pulled, pulled it out, right. whereas the Glazers at United are taking money out. So, so it's, 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 it's... So we don't need to ask questions because it's virtuous. The, 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 the it's more virtuous than what the Glazers do. The, well, I don't right, know. So I mean, the Glazers are dishonest in what they do. You know, most of it, it all goes through the books. Football's the only business you can asset strip on an annual basis, yeah. and people come back from more. Okay, we don't, we don't of getting yeah. money out. Of football. We don't like to talk about that, and clubs' lawyers don't like to hear us talking about that. So let's stop it with well, this well, line know, of questions. Come down, okay. see me. I'll talk them out. On a very serious note, I think Tony's going to hang out for a while afterwards. He has all sorts of stories on the way that clubs and club owners take money out of clubs, and let me just make a little aside here. You know, we always look at this and we say, like, these successful businessmen buy into clubs and they say, yes, I do it because I'm a fan and, you know, I've lost 20 million, but I don't care because I'm just a huge Wigan fan. Or, oops, I should have mentioned any club. The reality is these people aren't stupid, except for certain individuals. I mean, obviously, people like Mansoor are clearly throwing, I think, good money after bad. Um, but the vast majority of these people, the reason there are still people who buy clubs in the championship and in League One and the lower echelons of the Premier League because there's about a bazillion different ways Licensed to get money, money out of club. Um, you know, and then what you can do, you can cry poverty, and you can say, and I put all my money in, and I'll tell you what, people are just ripping money out of clubs left, right, and centre. Um, I think we're going to move on now to our next topic. Um, it's been suggested by Rob Yandel. Rob, are you, are you with us? Well, uh, I'm not going to read out the question. Up the, uh, no, please don't. But basically, I just thought... Particularly um, in England and in Italy, you've got so many teams and they're all growing in stature. So there has to be a credible alternative to the Champions League in terms of competition and revenue. And at the moment, there's such a disparity between the Champions League and the Europa League. Surely there has to be something that bridges that gap. Ollie, the Europa League is a strange animal. They've centralised it. They've changed the format a little bit. Um, and yet you still have people saying, no, it's a nuisance, blah, blah, blah. Is it all simply because they can't earn as much money as the Champions League? Well, it's, or is there another problem with it? One problem with it is it's interminable, isn't it? I mean, I think, I think Fulham started in, what was it, early July last season. And, 1941. And, they, <laughs> and, they, and in order to reach the final, they would have had to play something like 21 games, which is, which is more than a league season in, in some countries. It, it's, it's ludicrous, the format of it. It could be far more streamlined. And... It, Given the money that there is in the Champions League, it really should be something closer to that. Because at the moment, it's a disincentive almost to be involved. You, you only need to look at Tottenham's reaction to it, and you look at Aston Villa's reaction when once they got to the um, what was it quarterfinals or last 16, having expended an awful lot of energy and air miles getting to the last 16 or quarterfinals or whatever it was three years ago, and then they started playing the reserves because they thought it was the best chance of getting into the. It's just stupid. If you're in a competition like that, you should be. The goal should be to win it. Well, it um, seems to me that it's just stupid for stupid decision by Aston Villa well, and their manager. At that time, they they were going for the top four, and and his view, and it was a correct view, was that um, that they were running out of gas, having too many games, and and they couldn't sustain the two things. And maybe if only Randy Lerner given him more money to spend on then, squad players. Exactly. The Europa League brought to you by the people who are going to bring you financial fair play. There's All no right. point to it. There is no Tony, point to it. Before you go down this, um, people may not know this, but um, when Tony was, uh, was younger than he is today, he used to follow his team around Europe. And while they played in the European Cup a lot, and, which probably should be a hint that he's not really a mank. Um, <laughs> They also did play some in the UEFA Cup as well, yeah. as it was known then. Which Why did you follow it around? Why did you? I mean, did, what, was it better than the Europa League is today? What can we do to go back to it? Well, we can't because when they widened the, Europe, the, the, the European Cup and made it the Champions League, and they let you know as many as four teams into it from one country, the whole point of the UEFA Cup, uh, you know, sort of disappeared. I mean, when, when only champions went into the, the Champions Cup, then. It, it was it was a coup to win the 
UEFA Cup. Because it was probably a better yeah. competition yeah, a better than the European Cup. And you felt the up and coming teams. Which is why well. Liverpool won so many European Cups and yeah. not as many. But now, now when, when people who are fifth, sixth, and seventh are getting in, there's no incentive, and there's no incentive to watch them in terms of television money. They should scrap it. I mean, it, it's 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 a flawed competition. It's a, no one wants to be in it, and you know, there's no point in us anymore. Right, any Fulham fans in here? Do, do, do you want to go and tell Mr. Uh, I think there's a microphone making its way over to you. Do you want to tell him how you felt? Was it pointless when you got to the Europa League final? It was the best thing that happened to Fulham. Um, yeah. It's never going to happen again. Um, they played some amazing teams. The event to swim was amazing. I, I can understand what you're saying about the Champions League should only be two teams in the Champions League and then the next two should go into the Europa League, but mm. I don't and think they're going to do that, so they should scrap it, you're right. But the Fulham, for, for, for me, it was brilliant. Oh, yeah, and, and of course, the best thing in the world. You know what? Finishing fourth. It, you know, for a fan, I think it should be a pile of crap. Going to a final and winning, you know, even losing in a final is better than finishing fourth, as far as I'm concerned. 2001 in Dortmund was one of the great nights of my life. You know, it's just, uh, just, just unbelievable. But you know what? It, it's, you've created a situation where clubs don't want to win competitions, and fans do. And you know, it's, uh, I, I just, it, when, when the clubs are not interested, get rid. We, um, when I first moved over to France, we, we played the League Cup. And the incentives to be successful in the League Cup were huge. And I couldn't get the Cup de France was really tiny. Mm. And, and it was all about money. It was the fact <coughs> that the league promoted so much for the League Cup. They give clubs huge amount of money to play the League Cup. So the competition became really important. Now we've seen these competitions, the Europa League, been devalued. That's what it comes down to. Mm. I, I, there is no financial gain for them. I think you guys are all kind of, or in general, there is, I mean, all right, Europa League is what it is, but. Um, no personal two cents on this is, as somebody who doesn't just watch the English clubs in the Europa League, I think it's been fantastic this year. It's been a privilege to watch the Liverpool Bilbao. I think if City and United had gone on further the competition, yeah. I think everybody in this country might have been more lifted by it and felt, felt more involved in it. It's not perfect. The prize money is growing, and I think that's a, that is a big part of it. But I don't know. I think we might just kind of get used to sort of Thursday nights. That's what it will come down to, It will come down to finance. Mm. If they promote it and they do prepare right. to pump into it, it mm. will... Yeah, but they're not, they're not going to give money away. Like, it no, has to be self-financing the way the Champions League is. You know, managers are not leaving out players for any reason. They're leaving them out because there's a bigger pot, uh, mm. treasure. And that was the, uh, the Premiership, right. trying to make top four. I, I think we have a question back there, Olivia. Do we... Um, I can't actually see you because you're behind the... Oh, there you go. Sorry. Um, do you think that if UEFA adopted the same principle as in rugby where the winners of the Amling Cup go into the Heineken Cup the following year so if the winners of the Europa League qualified for the Champions League yeah. that would give it a higher profile and teams would get more behind it. What is the strange language you speak? Rugby <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not a major sport on Merseyside. Uh, Ollie you sound posher than he does so I'm assuming you have more experience you can address this question. I think most people sound posher than Tony does. But, um, the, um, no, I, I, I agree with Tony. Uh, I, sorry, I agree with the point and I, I would also agree that it would be good in terms of the FA Cup if the FA Cup had, um, had a spot for the Champions League rather than Fourth place in the Premier League. You'd or, have to do that with every cup in, in Europe. Every well, would that, would that I don't think you do, actually. It, it, I don't believe it, you it do. Would, it would stop well, cups why, being why disregarded. Would, why would England get special treatment if they had the winners of the FA Cup? Well, they don't get special State. treatment. I, I think, put it this way, I think if you, you think UEFA, contrary to what people say, generally are fairly reasonable. And if a league came to them, I mean, if you recall, um, Wales for a long time, when they didn't even have a league, they used to, to send a team to the, um, to the Cup Winners' Cup. Um, sorry, like me, Ollie's got. He remembers all these weirdo facts from the late 1980s. Um, but, um, sorry? Mid 80s. Mid 80s, there you go. <laughs> um, but no, I, I think if, put it this way, I think if the Premier League went and said, you know what, UEFA, we want to give one spot, I, I don't think UEFA would have a problem with it. I really don't. And I don't think you'd have to make the same rule. I mean, the number of, of teams per country would remain the same. Um, I could be wrong on this, but they kind of hinted to me that they are pretty reasonable when it comes to that. Yes? Yeah, I'd just like to make a point. I don't think it's just relevant to the amount of money in the Champions League, but it's also relevant to the amount of money in the big leagues. Because mm. while the teams in England, Italy, Real Madrid and Barcelona wouldn't take it seriously if they're in the Europa League, you then look at, obviously, Scotland, but also Holland, Portugal. You get these, these teams take it very, very seriously because that's the best they can get. 
Now, if you end up looking in England, you've got a team that will be trying for the next year to get in the Champions League. would be more important than them having a run in the Europa League that could then end up they finish fifth because they play too many games. Yeah, I, I've heard that argument. Um, I think it's true to a point. I mean, Benfica were in the knockout stages of the, of the Champions League this year. They were also embroiled in, in basically a three-way race uh, to get in the top three in Portugal. And Portugal sent two teams to the, uh, to the Champions League. So I think often it's kind of an excuse that sort of, you know, clubs like the one Skinner supports uh, uh, tend, to, tend to make for why they go and, and play weirdos in the, uh, in the Europa League until they lose to Shamrock Rovers and stuff like that. Um, but I'm not sure that that's, I mean, you'd have to look at it case by case uh, uh, empirically. Um, our next subject, next topic is uh, uh, one, of, uh, uh, one of our producer, Chris Skinner's favorites. Uh, it's suggested by uh, Neil Dorgan. And it's, what can we do about penalty kicks? Now, Seth Blatter, who of course is our, our, our spiritual guide and guru, he said recently that he doesn't quite like him. He finds them cruel. And I don't know, I was in Munich. Ollie, so were you. It did seem kind of, you know, is this, okay, I never, I'll very rarely feel empathy with the Germans. But you did kind of see the point that they go and they batter Chelsea for 120 minutes and they lose on penalty kicks. Um, so uh, now Neil has a suggestion. In a minute, I'm going to ask my own panel for what we can do if the scores are level after 120 minutes, yes? Maybe not 120 minutes, maybe have 20 minutes extra time first, but then go down to seven players apiece. And, and then it's seven aside on a full pitch. Seven aside on a full pitch. You're, you're, lots more extra space. You're guaranteeing goals. That's true, too. Tony, so I'm going to go to you because I know you're probably slightly more traditionalist than you know, the rest of us. When God created football, he, yes, you, he didn't put uh, grass in the sky, as, as Brian Clough famously pointed out. And he intended it to be 11 v 11. Is seven against seven men running around a giant pitch, is this what our maker intended? I, I think rock, paper, scissors, that's the only way to go for. But look, you know what? <laughs> what, what? What's wrong with penalty kicks? Sympathy for Bayern Munich, I've got none. You know what? Score a goal in, in like 90 minutes or the extra time. Don't miss penalties in, 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 you know, in, in the game. And then you don't go to penalties. I don't see what's wrong with penalties. It's not cruel. Crap, mentally weak teams lose penalty shootouts. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm that, of course, Tony was there in, uh, in Istanbul back in 2005. <laughs> Ollie, do you, have, uh, do you have a better solution than Neil's? And if you don't, what do you think of Neil's solution? Um, I think Neil's solution would probably be abuse of human rights or something like that. But the, but the, the, for, for, for reporters who were on deadline, because yeah. could you imagine as that yeah, deadline exactly. ticks away, I'm in the office screaming at him, file now! But there was a, I, remember, I remember when I was very young seeing, seeing there was um, the North American Soccer League that they did in American, America and Canada. They used to run from halfway with a yeah. ball rather Major League Soccer did this as well in their inaugural and season. So it was, it was like a shootout, but you had to, you had to beat the keeper, whether, whether it was by yeah. dribbling around him or, or shooting. And I remember seeing this on something like St. and Greavesy um, or whatever back in the 80s, and it was, um, it was fantastic. But it still comes down to the same principle of... You know, Although it kind of replicates it, it, real yes, football exactly. slightly better that, than somebody that, taking penalties. That's fine. But, but I mean, Joe, yeah. penalties have just become an accepted part, part of it. I mean, we've had World Cup finals, you know, two, two I think, in the last 20 years, 18 years. Yeah, one so of them we don't like to talk about. But, yeah. uh, decided by penalty. The other one was brilliant. Four of, four of, the, last <laughs> ten, four of the last 10 years in the Champions League. So it, it's, become, it's become part of football, and, and it probably shouldn't be. It probably shouldn't be. Well... The, the, the other to be the, fair, they've only the been around for, for yeah. 40 or so years, haven't they? What about the good old-fashioned replay? <clears throat> I am a oh. big fan of the replay uh, for a World Cup final, yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. for a Champions League final, possibly. After that, you get into major issues of yeah. fixture congestion. If you know, if it's around a 16 clash between Bennett, uh, between Benfica and Zenit St. Petersburg, is level over two legs, yeah. then I, I, I can still remember. Seeing uh, Liverpool lose as a kid on the toss of a coin at Anfield. Yeah, well, um, no, it's, I, mean, I can still remember missing in the third replay against Everton the year they won the cup, missing a one-on-one. -on -one. 
after and there's a couple of Gillingham supporters over there and they might remember that. Yeah. yeah? Remember. A one on one with five minutes to go in the it third game. I still have nightmares of that mess. Um, but I watched the Sheffield United Huddersfield. That was the highlight of the game, the, the yeah. penalty shootout. I've, something that used to happen in um, training, and, and I tell you what, if you ever want to finish a game and you want to introduce a rule that totally opens up the game, don't have offside. Just say no offsides. So that and you'll so get a goal within five so attempts. So, is that because that way you can take your, your large target man, have him stand on the keeper's the head, and just keep booting the ball no, forward? I'll tell you, Gab, if you want to finish your game, no offsides, you'll be amazed. And tactics, all these teams so will come up with great tactics about <laughs> let, how let, to win let's the game. Let's the whole hug, no rules. You can say it, but we need to get you a microphone. Can I just say that, Tony, when you were playing for Gillingham, <laughs> you assumed that rule had already been enforced. <laughs> <laughs> I had nightmares with that, miss. Wait, was Andy Heslin taller young when you were playing there? He wasn't Or was he, old, was he always old? No, yeah, he's, he's younger than me, Andy. Is he? Yeah. I think he was just born old. Um, <laughs> do you have a better solution? For, apart from the offside, is this really your solution? I, Abolish I offside? I wanna, well, I just... The seven aside... Players are absolutely, if you watch extra time, they're, they're out on their feet, aren't they? So reducing the number of players, I think, is a real problem because you, you're going to get injured players, that's for sure, if it goes on with any length of time. Um, there isn't a great way. I do love dramatic penalty shootouts. I'm a bit where Tony's coming from because I just think, you know, it has to come to an end. I do agree, agree with Gab as well. For How can you end a World Cup final? really on the penalty shootout. I think that Champions League, I, I can understand the sense in that. Crossbar challenge. Yeah, yeah. crossbar yeah. challenge. Yeah. Um, I personally, I get to wrap this up, um, I'm with Ollie. I, would, uh, I, I think this is something that, that actually is fun to watch, slightly better than uh, uh, penalties, is, uh, is the player running with the ball from, uh, from I, I think it's, it's from, the, it's from the top of the D, isn't it? Mm, yeah. You've got five seconds to to shoot on goal and the goalkeeper can come out and you can do whatever you like. It is gimmicky, but so are penalty kicks, frankly. But more than that, I would have a replay for the World Cup final, for the European Championship final, Champions League final, and most of all, if uh, teams finish uh, level on points. Uh, because I don't believe in goal difference. I think it's something sick and stupid and twisted. But I know nobody agrees with me, so um, we'll just uh, uh, move on. What about direct results during the course of the season? That, that's even more idiotic. <laughs> the point of the game is to get, in the league format, it's to get, to get points. Two teams finish level on points, they're level on points. Simple as that. Why should results against somebody else determine anything? No, sorry, um, direct results. It's having What do you mean? Oh, head-to-heads? Yeah. That's stupid, too. <laughs> I like that. I, in Italy, until four years ago, we had a playoff of teams finished level on points, and I think that's the way it should be. But, 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 just, but it also applies that the teams are equally matched anyway, so why should you, why should you take notice of the results between the two, you should take results, take notice of the results against everyone else's. Or just send them off to play 90 minutes in a neutral exactly. venue, uh, make the prices affordable to the fans, put it on live TV, and call it a celebration of football. <laughs> uh, our final question on this topic. What happens if you've got Everton and West Brom on 43 points apiece, and Liverpool is above them on 46, and Everton wins, and then you have Everton and Liverpool on 46 apiece? Well, we should, we should get the higher place just because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Aren't Everton the older club, shouldn't they? Yeah. What, they're, they're more like our ugly, deformed older brother. <laughs> you know. Why do you keep in the attic and don't... Exactly, right, exactly. Like Thomas. Um, <laughs> Ollie? No. I don't think we were trying to speak there, but... No, no, I was, I was, I was just going to say that the, um, the, there's a situation in, in the Premier League where... If, if teams finish level on points, goals, difference, goals, etc., and it's first, second, third, fourth, fifth, or the <coughs> bottom three, then they, there has to be a playoff because there's obviously financial uh, and sort of prize money at stake, etc., or, or maybe even a prize. But the um, had, I mean, I know this is very hypothetical, but had it been, had the Manchester derby at the Old Trafford, which finished 6 1, Finished two on this season. Yes. Then, United. with the same results, everybody would have City United would have finished on exactly the same um, goals, points, etc. Mm. And then there would have been a playoff. Uh, 
can you imagine that? That would have been Would that have been more insane. exciting and better and more satisfying? Ma yeah, but... Um, I don't think much could be more exciting, mm -hmm. better and more satisfying <laughs> than those last minutes of this season. I mean, you know what? You should be re rewarded for scoring more goals. Why? Because that isn't the point of this game to score goals. <laughs> Otherwise, we're all Roy Hodgson. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Skinner at the back is telling me to... Uh, to wrap up, which means uh, we won't have time to get to topic five, will we, Skinner? Because that's a topic you didn't actually like. So um, <laughs> tempted to uh, read out and humiliate whoever submitted topic five, but I won't <laughs> because that would make Skinner uncomfortable. We'll be back. Uh, and again, I should uh, I should re-acknowledge and, and thank my, my panel, even though I'll be thanking them again later. So thank you, former Republic of Ireland striker, Tony Cascarino. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Um, was it brass player for uh, uh, for the farm? Trombone, trombone. Trombone player for the farm, Tony Evans. And if you follow him on Twitter and like time travel, you can see a picture of a of a young Tony Evans with his with his trombone. And uh, Ollie, who of course was not a talented musician, but he is, our, he is our number one football correspondent, Ollie Kay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.